Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 248. Today we begin the book of Job, the story of a man whose life began out wonderful and then had all kinds of incredibly painful and difficult things happen to him. He suffered in ways that today we still talk about the suffering of Job. And as he does this, uh, one of the things he says is all these things are happening to him is that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a strange response to our ears today, because so many of us, when bad things happen, either blame God and say, how could we, he do such a thing? Or we say, God couldn't exist because if he did, he couldn't let these kinds of things happen. He wouldn't be loving. He wouldn't be gracious. Um, he couldn't be powerful. And we, we disbelieve in God. And yet here's Job seeing all these things happen to him. And he admits that God gives, that God takes away. And yet he still says, blessed be the name of the Lord. And what I'd like to do as we begin the book of Job today and over the coming episodes, I'd like us to think carefully about what Job is saying about who God is, what God says about himself at the very end of the book, and how the three friends of Job characterize the relationship between people and God in such a simplistic way that this book is trying to shatter. So this book, Job, is very challenging. It's difficult, uh, but it's an important book to read because it speaks to us and teaches us about who God is and who we are in relationship to him. A book that really in many ways is meant to humble us and to help us see that God is much greater and bigger than we are that we are much smaller and more insignificant than we often like to admit, but that God still does love and care in a way that's beyond our imagination. And so lots of things to think about and we think through this difficult book. And let's begin today in Job chapter 1, 2, and 3. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. In addition, he had a very great household. Thus, he was the greatest of all the people in the east. Now his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one in turn, and they would send, one, send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of their fa- feasting were finished, Job would send for them and sanctify them. He would get up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's customary practice. Now the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also arrived among them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roving about on the earth and from walking back and forth across it. So the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Is it for nothing that Job fears God? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and all that he has on every side? 
Have you blessed the work? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his livestock have increased in the land. But extend your hand and strike everything he has, and he will no doubt curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, All right then, everything he has is in your power. Only do not extend your hand against the man himself. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now the day came when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job, saying, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing beside them, and the Sabians swooped down and carried them all away, and they killed the servants with the sword, and I, only I alone, escaped to tell you. While this one was still speaking, another messenger arrived and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants, it has consumed them, and I, only I alone, have escaped to tell you. While this one was still speaking, another messenger arrived and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and carried them all away, and they killed the servants with the sword, and I, only I, have escaped to tell you. While this one was still speaking, another messenger arrived and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind swept across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I, only I, have escaped to tell you. Then Job got up and tore his robe. He shaved his head, and then he threw himself with his face to the ground. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. In all this Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with moral impropriety. Again the day came when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also arrived among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roving about the earth and from walking back and forth across it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a pure and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. And he still holds firmly to his integrity, so that you, so that you stirred me up to destroy him without reason." But Satan answered the Lord, Skin for skin. Indeed, a man will give up all that he has to save his life. But extend your hand and strike his bone and his flesh, and he will no doubt curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, All right, he is in your power. Only preserve his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he afflicted Job with a malignant ulcer from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Job took a shard of broken pottery to scrape himself with it while he was sitting among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Are you still holding firmly to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he replied, You're talking like one of the godless women would do. Should we receive what is good from God and not also receive what is evil? In all this, Job did not sin by what he said. When Job's three friends heard about all of this calamity that had happened to him, each of them came from his own country, Eliaphas the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They met together to come to show sympathy for him and to console him. But when they gazed intently from a distance, but they did not recognize him, they began to weep loudly. Each of them tore his robes and they threw dust in the air over their heads. Then they sat down with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights, yet not, no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. And after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day he was born. Job spoke up and said, Let the day on which I was born perish, and the night that said, A man has been conceived, 
That day let it be darkness. Let not God on high regard it, nor let light shine on it. Let darkness and the deepest shadow claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let whatever blackens the day terrify it. That night let darkness seize it. Let it not be included among the days of the year. Let it not enter the number of the months. Indeed, let that night be barren. Let no shout of joy penetrate it. Let those who curse the day curse it. Those who have prepared to rouse the Leviathan. Let its morning stars be darkened. Let it wait for daylight but find none. Nor let it see the first rays of dawn. Because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb on me. Nor did it hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth? And why did I not expire as I came out of the womb? Why did the knees welcome me? And why were there two breasts that I might nurse at them? For now I would be lying down and would be quiet. I would be asleep and then at peace with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves places now desolate, or with princes who possessed gold who filled their palaces with silver. Or why was I not buried like a stillborn infant, like infants who have never seen the light? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at wet rest. There the prisoners relax together. They do not hear the voice of the oppressor. Small and great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why does God give light to one who is in misery, and life to those whose soul is bitter, to those who wait for death that does not come, and search for it more than for the hidden treasures, who rejoice even to jubilation and are exultant when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, and in whom God has hedged in? For my sign comes in a place of my food, and my groanings flow forth like water. For the very thing I dreaded has happened to me, and what I feared has come upon me. I have no ease. I have no quietness. I cannot rest. Turmoil has come upon me. You can feel the pain and the hurt of Job. This book does not deny the suffering and the hurt and the pain that he's experiencing. But Job is not turning and saying the kinds of things we often say about God or to God in these moments. But he is trusting that even though he doesn't understand what's going on, he is still trusting that God is God. God knows what he's doing. And he humbly is simply saying, my life is miserable. He casts no blame at God's feet as if somehow God owed him anything. And as we read in the coming uh, episodes about the replies of his friends and the reasons they want to give for why this is happening, we'll see a back and forth that Job continues to say that he cannot see what God is doing here, but he's going to keep trusting him anyways. And that kind of greatness of who God is, is also then seen in Psalm 29, which speaks of God as a God worthy of praise because he's a God of power and a God who makes the creation shake before him. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young ox. The Lord's shout strikes with flaming fire. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord's shout bends the, the large tree and strips the leaves from the forests. Everyone in his temple says, 
majestic. The Lord sits enthroned over the engulfing waters. The Lord sits enthroned as the, inter- as the eternal king. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord grants his people security. David's psalm of praise to God as a powerful God who thunders is imagery that we now see actually as we see God's judgment coming in Revelation chapter 10. The same kind of imagery, the same imagery as Psalm 29, as we see God come and thunder in his time of judgment. Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another powerful angel descending from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like pillars of fire. He held in his hand a little scroll that was open, and he put his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. Then he shouted in a loud voice like a roaring lion, and when he shouted, the seven thunders sounded their voices. When the seven thunders spoke, I was preparing to write, but just as I heard... But just then I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders spoke and do not write it down. Then the angel I saw standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it and the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it, saying, There will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to blow his trumpet, the mystery of God is completed, just as he has proclaimed to his servants the prophets. Then the voice I heard from heaven began to speak to me again, saying, Go and take the open scroll in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and I asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take this scroll and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it, and it did taste as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, My stomach became bitter. Then they told me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This continuing description by John of what he sees in God's judgment that's to come reminds us of God's power, his ability to bring what he wants to bring to happen. And what it's meant to do, I think, over and over again is to humble us as human beings, created beings, in the face and in the light of the creator whose power is on display. And this humility that comes from seeing God is not a humility that's meant to drive us into despair, but is a humility that's meant to call us to be people who worship a God who is much greater than us, who is far wiser than us, and who we can trust because we see that this God, before he brings any of this judgment, is a God who's shown mercy and grace proven in Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-